Off the ball with betdac.com for great exchange back and lay prices on every sporting event. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! It's got to be one of the dumbest calls offensively in Super Bowl history. Are you kidding me? Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. To the game! Big puppy. The grand slam. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! So, the Colin Kaepernick protest continues. Kaepernick, as we know, San Francisco 49ers has been sitting and laterally kneeling during the Star Spangled Banner before games. Several black athletes have followed suit. It's a story we've talked about over the last number of weeks. It's also, though, got us thinking about the American relationship with their national anthem and specifically American sports relationship with the anthem. Christina, Roseanne Barr and Metallica. I don't need to tell you who was who. Roseanne Barr famously, uh, of course, called disgraceful by President Bush for grabbing her crotch during that recital. I'm delighted to say we've got Dave Zirin back on the show, sports editor of The Nation, host of the Edge of Sports podcast. Dave, thanks for joining us. Oh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So we'll get on to the Kaepernick situation, but the American relationship, specifically American sports relationship, with the uh, national anthem. You might just illustrate for us, I think we're all pretty aware of the fact from just watching US sports here, but the uh, the relationship between a sports event and the national anthem is completely intertwined and this permeates from NFL right down to college to high school. Uh, so uh, pretty much every sporting event seems to have the anthem going on. Well, I mean, it, it, it's very ingrained in professional sports in the United States. Um, in As far as local sports, youth sports, um, that's really something that we only saw the advent of after 9-11, uh, it becoming this sort of thing where sports then becomes an almost like ritualized patriotic religion that demands uh, this song and everybody standing at attention before the game can actually begin. Uh, so, you know, in, in some respects, these kinds of protests against the anthem are, are inevitabilities mm. uh, because you're asking people to pay respect to a flag that guarantees certain rights and freedoms and liberties that many people in the United States feel as if they are denied. We were looking up the history of the anthem and professional sports, and we came across a very good piece in ESPN which talked about Babe Ruth's last postseason game for the Red Sox in 1918. And the U.S. obviously was at war for 17 months at that stage, 100,000 deaths. There'd been a bomb that week as well, which had killed Americans in America it almost happened in a in an unplanned way where uh, Fred Thomas was playing the series while on leave of absence from the Navy and in the seventh inning, the military band on hand played the national anthem and Fred Thomas immediately faced the flag and snapped to attention with a military salute and the other players on the field followed suit in a civilian fashion. They put their right hand over their hearts and the crowd 
already standing joined in as well. And this had been a very, very subdued atmosphere until that point. The New York Times opened up its recap of the game, not with a description of the action on the field, but with this account of the impromptu singing. And it was this moment of realisation. The Cubs' front office took note and the military band were back again. And then when the, when the tie went to Boston, the Red Sox ratcheted up the pageantry even more so and the Star Spangled Banner was moved from the seventh inning to pregame. And it seems like that was a real moment when this thing started to spread. Yeah, but, but well, it, but, it, but, the, but those kinds of moments weren't very uh, distant from the foundations of baseball itself in the 19th century, which was very tied to militarism, very much tied um, in mentality to the idea of U.S. expansion, particularly into Latin America. Um, Albert Spaulding, who was one of the um, real uh, founders of the modern rules of Major League Baseball, he once wrote an essay called Baseball is War. And he spoke about the need to plant the game along with the flag as the United States entered places from Cuba to the Dominican Republic to the Philippines. So there's always been this tie-in with this idea of professional sports in the new American century. Mm. And it really only gets consecrated in baseball um, after World War II, um, because it started during World War II in every park as kind of a remembrance of all of the players who were serving in the war. Then you take that uh, overseas, and um, <laughs> and 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 you plant it in other places as well. You don't just keep it in the United States. And then the Cold War begins, and it just never ends. Mm. It's just it, that the at that point the anthem simply never ends because now we're and it became like really a symbol of the United States being on a kind of permanent war footing mm. as a defender of uh, freedom against the hated Soviet Union during the Cold War. Was it during the Cold War that it became a staple of NFL games and NHL games? Uh, yeah, and NBA games as well. That's when it became uh, sanctified as something that would exist in professional and college sports. I was reading a piece from last year which um, showed John John McCain and Jeff Flake, two senators obviously were familiar with McCain, particularly over here, uh, had done a report. And for instance, between 2012 and 2015, the military paid teams in the main five sports leagues $10.4 million for patriotic displays. Right. Now, that was a big scandal here in the United States. Uh, and it was a scandal more than anything because you know, there is this long-standing relationship between the National Football League and the military that is objectionable on its own for a host of reasons. Mm. Uh, the way that both of these forces have tied themselves to each other in the post-9-11 era. But a lot of people thought that the flow of money in that relationship, in this mutually beneficial relationship, was flowing from the NFL uh, to the Department of Defense, you yeah. know, through whether maybe through veterans charities or things of that nature. Um, and yet the opposite was the case. And we have vets in the United States, a shocking number are on food stamps, live below the poverty line. And so the idea that the Department of Defense would be spending, would be giving money to an extremely profitable multi-billion dollar corporation to stage these kinds of salute to the troops events, I mean, that, that caused quite an uproar. And the NFL quickly said that it would return the money. Mm. But that, but what doesn't change is the relationship between the two entities. 
And what doesn't change is who in the heck thought this was a good idea in the first place. We're still looking for answers about that. Yeah. So this was effectively a very cynical recruitment drive. It's the glorification of the military in front of a a huge audience of impressionable young people. Yeah, it works very well for recruitment and and for, for, for the Department of Defense and the U.S. Armed Forces. Um, it also works very well for the National Football League because the NFL has been mired in all sorts of scandals, and the armed forces is something that statistically is held in very high regard by people in the United States. Mm. And when you can make football sort of look like war, uh, then, or, or I should say some uh, very unsophisticated 13-year-old's idea of what war looks like, um, then you're also then associating football with, all of the missions around the world, the invasion of Afghanistan, the invasion of Iraq, the bombings of Libya, the bombings of Syria, and seeing the NFL supporting the NFL as part and parcel with this broader uh, freedom project. Mm. Do you feel like the anthem has a place at sporting events and should be at all sporting events at this level? No. Get it out of here. I mean, we don't play the anthem before we go to plays or movies. We don't play the anthem through any other public spectacle other than sports. Uh, It's coercive patriotism, and we see how coercive it is uh, with the incredibly violent reactions to Colin Kaepernick and Mm. even young kids ages 10 to 12 who have dared to take a knee. I suspect you're very much in the minority with that view. Well, you know what's interesting, uh, even being in the minority with that view, is that before the Colin Kaepernick demonstrations, you actually could find a lot of mainstream columnists also arguing to stop the anthem, except they were arguing it on hyper-patriotic ground. They're saying, you know, nobody really listens to the words, everybody's checking their phones, Mm. people are going to the bathroom or going to get beer, and so that kind of disrespects the song and what it means, so you might as well get it out of there. And so I just think it's hilarious, like how many people are now rediscovering how holy it is just because some folks are daring to listen to it, take it seriously in protest. And there have been some brilliantly hilarious photos that have hit the Internet uh, of Colin Kaepernick or other players raising their fists or kneeling solemnly during the anthem. And everyone's like, oh, what an outrage. And then you look just to the side of the picture frame and you see some doofus on his phone <laughs> uh, texting somebody. And it's just like, wait a minute, isn't Colin Kaepernick actually taking it more seriously because he's listening to the words? and taking the spirit of those words seriously mm. rather than some jackass who's like on his phone, yet somehow that's the height of patriotism. Yes. And Dave, did you notice a huge difference in the attitude towards the anthem, say, during the 1990s when the Cold War had uh, thawed, obviously, quite a bit, and pre-9-11, or sorry, post-9-11, well, post, post-9-11? Well, I think... I mean, most certainly. I mean, because after 9-11, they started in baseball adding a second national anthem, God Bless America, in the seventh-inning stretch. At Yankee Stadium, George Steinbrenner in his last years actually put chains up in the stands so people couldn't leave during the second God Bless America. One person was thrown out of the stadium for stepping over the chain and trying to go to the, to the bathroom, mm. and uh, he was actually um, arrested. Mm-hmm. and thrown out of the stadium, and he sued the Yankees uh, with help from the ACLU. So well, you better believe there were some changes. And then also it was after 9-11 that the NFL began its much tighter relationship with the Department of Defense, and then the anthem itself became much more militarized at NFL games. So 
So it wasn't just about the song. It was about unfurling these flags that are the size of County Cork and <laughs> making sure that everybody pays proper homage to the yeah. flag uh, while military planes fly overhead. It is incredibly coercive. I mean, as you say, and uh, even looking in from afar, it, it just seems very uncomfortable. Yeah, no, and, and I, I wrote this in 2005 that, you know, you're free to hit during the anthem, but everybody around you frees, uh, uh, everybody around you feels free uh, to pour beer on your head while you do so. Mm. And so, you know, I'm going to my first game since Kaepernick this Sunday, and I'm not going to stand. I'm taking a knee, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the reaction is of people um, around me. Have people moved beyond discussing the rights and wrongs of Kaepernick's choice of protest and started talking more when they talk about Kaepernick about what he's trying to say? Well, it's, it's fortunately, or I should say unfortunately, the level of police violence in the United States is continuing and these high profile cases are continuing. Hmm. And so as we talk about the cases of people who've just died, like Keith Lamont Scott, like Terrence Crutcher, just two more names on a long list of people we've gotten to know because on camera it's been seen of them being killed. Um, one of the things that it's doing is that it makes it much, much more difficult to make this somehow um, about patriotism when, as Colin Ka- or the military, when Colin Kaepernick has said explicitly, nothing to do with patriotism, this mm. has nothing to do with the military, this has everything to do with uh, the fact that we have extrajudicial murders happening um, every week in this country. Mm. Where do you think it goes, Dave? The NBA is obviously back later this month. Well, It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, it already is spreading. Yeah. I mean, so where it goes, it's more like where is it going? Um, you know, you see it spreading into high schools, uh, women's volleyball teams, uh, veterans for peace in stadiums. Uh, more NFL players, and yeah, when the NBA season begins, we could expect a new round of it, and it'll be interesting to see the reaction. You already have the two most prominent coaches in the NBA, uh, and that's Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, say that they will support their players yeah. who take some kind of anthem stand. Are Manny in the crowd sitting down? Will you be pretty much on your own? Um, are you talking about me? Yeah, like when you sit down at the next game that you're going to... What, well, per- what percentage have been started? Well, I mean, down? this is just by coincidence. Like, I've had these tickets for a while. I'm yeah. going with my uh, very right-wing father-in-law and my <laughs> eight-year-old son. Nice. So it'll be an interesting thing to happen. Yeah. I think having my son there will probably be protect me from uh, getting beer poured on me, but my father-in-law might not be too happy with me. Right. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, Dave Zyron, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Off the Ball with BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports 24-7. Every season, every sport, every team.